So I think you would agree that as a whole, we Jews are not thought of as being bashful when it comes to expressing an opinion. Generally speaking, uh, Jews don't back up their opinions with fisticuffs. Um, Jews use words and reason. We are known as the people of the book. There is no more revered building in Israel than the shrine of the book. A wing of the Israel Museum in Jerusalem housed in this extraordinary architectural gem is the collective crown jewel of the Jewish people, the Dead Sea Scrolls. These scrolls, a real-life Indiana Jones story of discovery, procurement, scholarship, and preservation, contain some of the oldest surviving manuscripts of the Hebrew Bible and much more. Indeed, in these scrolls are the central precepts of the Jewish people, precepts that we know as the Ten Commandments. It is this week in our biblical story, Parashat Yitro, that Moses is summoned to the top of Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, etched on two stone tablets by the very finger of God. The biblical authors build a dramatic scene to get the people's attention that something big is about to happen. Give a listen. On the third day, as morning dawned, there was thunder and lightning and a dense cloud upon the mountain and a very loud blast of the horn. And all the Israelite people who were in the camp trembled. Moses led the people out of the camp toward God. And they took their place at the foot of the mountain. Now Sinai was all in smoke, for the Lord had come down upon it in fire. The smoke rose like the smoke of a kiln. And the whole mountain trembled violently. As Moses spoke, God answered him in the thunder. The Lord came down upon Mount Sinai, on top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. In the very next verse, we read, The Lord said to Moses, Go down the mountain. And when he gets to the bottom, Moses proceeds to narrate God's Ten Commandments. Like a master magician's sleight of hand, the biblical author has drawn our attention away from one of the most profound lessons in all of Torah. Let me replay the tape in slow motion, no sleight of hand, invite you to pay attention to these two verses, one immediately following the other. The Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. The Lord said to Moses, go down. 
That's it. So, question, not rhetorical. On the surface of it, do you find anything curious? Is there anything missing here? Molly, I, for, I love it. Yeah, so the Ten Commandments absolutely are missing. And, and that's actually a key point, Molly, so thank you. Anything else? So the tablets, and we're going to get to the tablets. Some of you are thinking, Rabbi, why don't you just keep moving here? I'm going to do that. Between Moses being summoned to the top and Moses directed to go down, what's missing are words. All we have is white space between the verses. What's present is silence. The biblical author has captured something quite remarkable. For whatever period of time, not a word was spoken between God and Moses. Pure silence. And following the silence, Molly, following the silence, comes the most impactful words on Western civilization, the Ten Commandments. Yes, we are the people of the book, and we are also a people that cherish silence. Let me offer three reasons why silence is foundational in Judaism. First of all, as the 11th century Sephardic poet and philosopher Rabbi Solomon Ibn Gabirol wrote, in seeking wisdom, the first step is silence, the second listening, the third remembering, the fourth practicing, the fifth teaching others. The point here is that Silence is given the privileged first position. We are required to contemplate. We need silence to receive clarity. The Talmud reinforces this, this view that in the Torah portion, imagining God as he was speaking to Moses, insisting that there needed to be a pause, that what was needed was silence, a pause for both Moses and God to reflect. Secondly, being open to silence is a way of developing a practice of humility. There is a verse from the book of Job which says, which can be translated as, wisdom comes from nothing. That is to say, every person is like an empty vessel, constantly waiting to be filled. As we learn from Salam ibn Gabrol, the first step is silence, then learning how to listen. 
listening not just to wait for the person to finish so that you can respond, as you intended to do before the person spoke, but listening, really listening, being opened to being influenced and changed. A practice of silence is a practice that acknowledges we all are works in progress. We all have wisdom to attain. Rabbi Mordechai Becker from Yeshiva University points out that in building the holy ark, the ark that will carry the tablets we carry down Mount Sinai, all of the measurements of the ark are designated by a half, by a half number, no full numbers, one and a half, two and a half, and so on, which is to teach us that only when we see ourselves as incomplete can we open ourselves to greater wisdom and a more expansive heart. Finally, silence is one of the most powerful methods of communication between human beings, and I would say for our relationship with the divine and all of creation. We all know there is a nonverbal communication of feelings and emotions that need not be articulated into words, though poetry probably is the closest. This silent communication is heart to heart. It's only, as we know, with close relationships where you trust and know the other that you can explore silence. Just allow yourself to be. No need to say a word. As most of us know, this is not so easy, which is why it's a practice to be incorporated into our lives. Silence. Moses is considered our greatest prophet because of his humility, his capacity to recognize all he has yet to learn, open to make himself vulnerable, to be comfortable in silence. The Israelites were only able to experience God through the dramatic scene of thundering winds, earthquake, and fire before the giving of Torah. But we continue to evolve as Jews. Late in the Hebrew Bible, the biblical writer turns that paradigm on its head. We find the prophet Elijah looking to experience God. As the text says, there was a great mighty wind splitting mountains and shattering rocks by the power of the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, kol dimama daka. And after the fire, utter silence. From silence flows wisdom, deep connection, and love.
That's what Shabbat was created for, to open our hearts as vessels, as works in progress, expanding our heart, our mind, and our soul so that we can receive kol demama daka, utter silence. <laughs>